0: like there's no one watching. Love like you'll never be hurt. Sing like there's nobody listening. And live
1: like it's heaven on earth. Breaking through with Olem
2: Fly, boss, walk, jam, nitty-gritty, you're listening to the boy from the big bad city. This is Jam, jam, heim, jam, heim, jam heim, This is Jam Welcome along to episode 42 of Breaking Through with Olim. This episode follows on from episode 41, which was entitled Don't Give Up, a story of depression and suicidal thoughts. I was absolutely thrilled to have been asked to join a panel interview on Monday the 18th of January, otherwise known as Blue Monday, in which I was asked to discuss the topic of the truth about suicide, following my deep, personal and raw interview recently regarding depression and my thoughts of suicide. Perhaps you've thought about killing yourself or know someone who has. This episode talked about the global male mental health pandemic, the importance of speaking out and reaching out and the reasoning behind the shocking percentage of male suicides, what you can do about your feelings, and what happens to those that you decide to leave behind. I hope you find this episode beneficial, and please reach out to Mind, Samaritans, or We Are Hummingbird, if you would like further information or help. Remember, you are not alone.
1: Hey guys. Welcome to the Talkwoods. I think somebody might have me on, if anybody's got me on speaker in their house and you need to have earphones on because i will be able to hear myself. So just to let you know if you can turn the speaker down because otherwise we get reverb. Uh, That's for Ian and Matt, not for anybody else at home. Um, But basically, yes, we are on the Talkwoods today and we are discussing the truth about suicide and what it means to have this silent conversation aired and shared. Um, There's going to be quite a lot of deepness to today but i would promise i will try and not make you cry it's not what i'm trying to do but i seem to be crying on every show in a good way um but today is a serious but also a fun subject in the way that we can change lives if we're willing to go and have that conversation um so today i am joined by matt brassington who some of you may have seen the other day who did a beautiful um authentic honest sharing with me around his journeys. Matt's one of my very good friends and we discussed um, the point he got to and he almost wanted to take his own life and basically showing up in a different way from that point on and it's miraculously changed his outlook. Uh, We've also got Ian Hurst on so Ian was my first ever guest on the Talkwoods this year so thank you Ian. I really Thank appreciate you. Let's be back. Yay. And Ian is partnering with us and it's all about uh, Hummingbird Health, which I'll let him talk about. We are Hummingbird, um, which is his uh, mental health um, company and what they do. So if you just want to give a quick overview um, of what your company does, Ian, first and foremost, before we dive into anything.
0: Yes, yeah, certainly, of course. Well, there's, there's actually two strings to the uh, organisation. There's We are Hummingbird, which is a non-profit uh, organization and it's a mental health and suicide prevention awareness nonprofit. So, we do a lot of stuff around helping people who maybe don't have a voice um, or recognize a relationship with other organizations. So, we do a lot through music, lots of bright colors, bold text, lots of engagement, real community led, hence the we are part. People forget that, and I politely remind them that the we are is actually the most important thing that we do. So we have the non-profit and we kindly take donations very, very gratefully. And all of that money that we get goes to buy musical instruments for underprivileged schools, organisations and groups so that we can kind of keep this circle going of creating positive mental health and music. So there's that on the one side, which is which is We Are Hummingbird. And then, as you said, there's We Are Hummingbird Health, which is my training company. And what we do there is train organisations and individuals on mental health awareness, mental health support, mental health first aid if you want to get the full certification, and suicide prevention. And the suicide prevention ones anywhere from a three-hour awareness course all the way through to doing a one day course. And if you really want to, you can actually go on to get a city and guilds certification in suicide prevention and intervention. And that's all done by myself as a trainer. So, yeah, two hats, one educational and one awareness. And they kind of both sit in together. So, yeah, that's us.
1: You're a super modern day superhero. That's what you're <laughs> <really loving.
0: laughs> Don't tell my wife that. She'll disagree.
1: <laughs> i'm going to get you a t-shirt and we're going to get that up for you and start selling them for charity
0: oh you won't so many
1: love it um, so, as I said, we have Matt on who gracefully shared his journey the other day. Um, for anybody that missed that, the show that we did the other day is below that you can re-watch. Um, you may cry. I had one of the guys from the Water College today message me and said that he had a tear in his eye on a, on a Monday evening that he wasn't expecting, but it really hit home to him. Uh, and it will, it's a, you know, it's a good story. And I say good because it has a great positive ending and it also has a, an ability to move your emotions, which is great great. great in these times. We want to be able to feel, we want to be able to go deeper, we are done with the stale versions of not having these conversations. We are out to have these talk, with these awkward talks that truly matter. And today is no exception. So um, I wanted to, uh, something that fascinated me, which I, I have been looking into a lot of stuff over the last 12 years about media manipulation uh, regarding all sorts of things in the world and in politics, whether it's in politics or whether it's in education, whether it's in science. There's a mass media manipulation uh, that is causing a lot of fear on the planet at the moment. And we, I believe we have two viruses. One is the fear and the other one is called COVID, as we know. Um, And a lot of the stats that have been out, a lot of the figures that have been out are questionable and they are done in a certain way to engage people with uh, complying to the rules and regulations, because if it's not made to be seen so bad, some people might not actually do what they think they need to do, which is wearing masks and doing other things. And uh, there's there's a large amount of manipulation that has been proven, which has confused a lot of people and upset a lot of people. But one thing that blew my mind uh, was the, the stats on the suicide. Um, so I'm going to let you talk about this bit first, Ian, um, with uh, what is actually happening with the stats and how they are not correct and obviously what is out there that we can really kind of take part from.
0: Yeah, definitely, um, and and this is super important because people have lost their lives, and that's this is what we have to have at the root of all of our thoughts. People have died, and what's really really important is that we don't dilute or take away the importance of someone's death by plucking a figure out of the air for uh glamorizing it or and by glamorizing people often think of glamorizing as glamorous but that's not it when 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 we talk about someone's death even when we talk about how someone took their life it's known as glamorizing uh, and that then leads on to many other things but we must make sure that the information that is put out is correct Um, there was some posts that i saw going around uh during lockdown number one let's say, um, stating that suicide had gone up by 200%. Please take a screenshot of this image, pass it on, and get people talking. Great as an idea, as a context. But the sad problem was that the figure's not correct. On average in the UK every day, uh, 12 men will take their lives and four women today, tomorrow, the day after, the day after, the day after. I'll come back to that number in a moment. So I sat and I did the maths. So I saw this stat and I thought, okay, I'm gonna do the maths on this um, just just for fun. And I think from memory now it came back at around instead of being 18 a day, it would be around 56. And I thought about it and okay, possible, unlikely but possible. Now the biggest issue that we have there is the suggestion that it's gone up by 200% during COVID during lockdown. Now that would mean that from March 2020 to when these were floating around, let's say August, from March to August, there'd been a 200% increase. Now, the reason why I know that figure's not correct is because on average, a coroner works six months in arrear. So in order for a death to be recorded as suicide, a coroner has to give that verdict. A coroner needs to meet three points in order to give that, and the person took their own lives, they didn't die by an illness, and that they had intent to die. So in order for a death to be recorded as suicide, coroner has to meet those three points and on average a coroner worked six months behind so what was actually happening in the middle part of last year when we were going through lockdown only at that point did we actually get the figures for 2019 a whole year behind
1: mm.
0: so we've only just got the figures for 2019 how on earth would we know that it's gone up by 200 percent? we don't it's not true now, this is really important because, and I was speaking to uh, with someone about this today, and they described it as a runaway train. And I quite, I quite got that because once you start pumping this through, once you start pushing this out, people start to lose their heads, and I'm going to come back to this as well. But it starts to become this runaway train. It's gone up 200%. It's up 200%. Quick, 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 quick. It builds momentum. And it's wrong momentum. So we must make sure we use accurate figures. The Samaritans who do so much great work around figures and stats and suicide actually got to the point during lockdown where they wrote out to all media and said, stop, stop writing articles around suicide until you have gone to our page, taken the media documents that we've got written for you all and follow these guidelines because too many of you are pumping out incorrect figures. So for anyone out there that wants actual figures, my first point of call, Office of National Statistics. The 2019 figures on there, you can look at them if you so wish to and you can get accurate figures. If you're in the media, if you're a journalist or you you do articles, podcasts or whatever else, go to the Samaritans page first and look at their media guidelines. All of the information will be up to date. It is the least we can do when we're paying respect to people who have lost their lives to make sure we're using the correct figures. Yes, you want people to help but do it properly it's it's just the best thing for everyone really.
1: no it's it's fascinating and I, and you've explained it so well and so clearly and I'm sure people are going to be listening to this going to be like, what the hell and yeah. they they may uh, what I want to put out here is, a lot of people who are feeling fragile about, uh, at the moment about the information that's going out, what we're not saying this is, we're not saying this is a conspiracy. We're not saying this is no, 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 no. This is a mis miscommunication for people in a pandemic that are writing about it and that are putting out information under pressure because they want, obviously, something to happen in, in that sense of, like, awareness, but yeah. not doing the job and not being, yeah. a, you know looking at things properly so we did want you to know that that's the difference between what we're saying
0: absolutely and don't get me wrong there will be some coroners that will work much quicker uh in a matter of weeks some it will be a cut and dry verdict but as a rule of thumb it's much longer much much longer and if we're getting true figures we have to have to understand that um on that topic of what you said about media i get asked this a lot with what i do around how can we reduce the amount of fear that we're getting through media and the the way I say is is if you think about it everyone's looking for their scoop you know if there's a something that you've got to put in the in the in the press or on the TV you need your scoop your angle so you go to different sources you go and find different things what happens during COVID is when everyone's sat watching ITV, BBC, Sky News, then they're picking up the Sun, the mirror, the Daily Telegraph, the Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp what you've got is all these slightly different variations of the truth coming into one melting pot. So what you're doing is you're hearing all of these different bits of information because everyone's vying for their scoop, their bit of that's going to sell their bit of article and the end user comes away with a blurred message, mm-hmm. pick one news station where that's one new TV station, one newspaper, one social media platform, just follow one station. Because what you would at least get then is a consistent message across. Mm. That's really, really important for, for when you're picking up media.
1: Yeah. I um, I want to ask you, Matt, obviously, having done our discussion last week and obviously explaining your situation and being in that position and being one of those potential statistics, and now you hear something like this is happening, what do you feel? How do you feel about listening to that?
2: Uh, no, I completely agree with what Ian said. and But, you know, that. In any normal time, I think there's a reluctance, particularly, and I'm talking as a male here, there's a reluctance to talk to people about problems that you're going through or maybe the early stages when, you know, things aren't right. Now, coupled with, you know, what we're all going through globally over the, like, the last year or so, I think, you know, like, like me going to a and last week for a cut finger, you just don't want to bother somebody because you think, there's more important things in the world. When in reality, there's nothing more important than you at that project. Do you know what I mean? So I'm like thinking what I went through last year, you know, part of that was like, oh well, this this isn't as bad as I think it is, because you know, thousands, millions of people are dying. But then, you know, I was slowly spiraling. So, you know, the last year was quite a quite an odd year for me. You know, because we, we yeah. spoke about it on the interview. That, irrespective of everything that we spoke about, what I went through, and this bloody COVID on top of it, a nice little glazing on top.
0: Yeah. yeah, it's it makes it really hard for people to to communicate. You've got, to, you know, as I said a moment ago. 12 men every day in the UK and four women, huge, one to three, most people know this, and there's, there are driving reasons behind this, men don't talk, men don't seek help, men don't communicate, certain ways in which men will deal with family dynamics, where the women will see the uh, the mothering figure, lots of different dynamics, the, the methods that are used uh, will all contribute towards this, but you are, you're right, men, men often... One of the biggest things I've learned, not just about suicide, but mental health, is men confuse mental health with feelings. And this is something I can't describe. Men think when you talk about mental health, we're talking about feelings. And that's what often frightens them the most. But we're not. We're not talking about feelings. We're talking about how you feel about yourself, not, oh, I'm sad or I'm going to be a bit cryy now. That's not what we're talking about. It's about how your overall mental health feels, and we shouldn't confuse the two. It's not a weakness in any way, shape or
2: form. Yeah. I, I mean, before Nat comes back, having having been a male, I guess what one of the things that I'm quite keen to do is, you know, and I'm hoping that the interview that Nat and I did last week will go some way to breaking that stigma, you know, uh, how do you... What's the first step to breaking this sort of men feelings,
0: not talking? Well, oh, we need more men talking. <laughs> we need more men. And, and this is, this is, uh, uh, we need more men to talk, which I know sounds obvious. I, I, I know it does. Um, and I get this a lot, whether I'm working with industries in construction or or railway or police or Navy, because I do a lot of stuff with the Navy or or any other kind of male dominated environment. And it's always the same pushback. You know, I haven't got those people around me, even if I wanted to, that I could talk to. As men, we like to have that assumption. And I had that assumption you probably had that assumption Matt. So going back to when you know my all this started for me, oh. most of my friends are in the navy and in the army, and I still remember to this day getting a text off my close friends, and he said, "We need to check in with friend B. He's not doing very well." And I sat there and I started to write the reply, going, "Okay, I'll check in." Blah blah blah. And as I was writing, I was thinking. I need someone to check in on me and I deleted it and I wrote a message saying actually mate I'm really sorry to do this to you but I'm not very good either and all of a sudden my mate's going hang on (laughs) I've got two of my best mates telling me that things aren't right and we all came together and I said well why didn't you say anything well I didn't want to I didn't want to pollute the friendship pool why didn't you well I didn't want to pollute it well we both polluted it now and we were forced to have a conversation and ever since that day, we have a stronger friendship group. Regardless of what I do now for a living, we have a stronger friendship group because we've made that step. And often when men say to me, oh, I haven't got that group around me that I can talk to, I say, well, you need to be that one. You need to find it in you. And I'll support you to find it, but you need to find it because I bet you that when you say, I feel this way or this is what's going on, they will all come back to you and go, yeah, I feel the same. It just takes one man. And that's why I laugh when I say we need more men. Because it really is that simple. We need one man out of every group to open and it will go like dominoes. But they need to be encouraged
2: to do that. Totally. Particularly with the organisation that I'm part of. It has to be championed. Yeah. Get rid of that fear.
0: And I think what you've got now more than ever is organisations that some are male-orientated, some are not male-orientated. Um, so, like, we are Hummingbird, for example. We actually have more women than men. Me- people often think that we, we're male-orientated. We're not. We have a 55% split of women. But what you've got now is more and more organisations that are saying to men or or giving men an opening, a position, giving them permission to say, hey, come on, th- you know, you're okay here, you can get... But it's about letting them know where it exists as well. Sorry, I'm, I'm going uh, I'm rabbiting. But when I was you know, where I was in my early 30s when I was at rock bottom. As a man in my early 30s, I didn't have a clue about mental health. I didn't know who MIND were. I didn't know who the Samaritans were or any other organisation. Because as a 30-year-old man, they'd never crossed my radar. So why would I know? And that's the key thing to... as many different outlets that we can create. That's only a good thing. Because the more people know there's something... That's better than not knowing that there's anything, really. You can follow Olem on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, SoundCloud,
2: Mixcloud, Spotify and YouTube. Go to www.linktree slash olem underscore DJ. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe to his Hit iTunes podcast by searching Breaking Through with Olem.
1: There's a, there's a really. I'm loving this conversation right now because you know I, I am clearly seeing two men, being able to reference their experience, share what they've been through, you know, really open up and honestly do it in in a way that is so easy. It's so easy to listen to you right now to have this conversation, and for anybody that is listening, I'm sure you will agree. The slim, I think a lot of people we think that suicide, is a such a big subject, but. Mm. The, and it and it can be an emotional subject when you get to the suicide, but before you get there, it can be a very simple conversation to avoid that ever happening because it's just a are you okay? No, not today okay, what do you want to talk about? Yeah. It is so simple to divert it away from suicide. But when we put it as suicide, it's heavy. We get this emotion that we're going to lose something. Someone's going to die. Someone's going to go. We're going to have to be fronting our feelings here. We're going to have to face everything. That's not always the case. And this is one of the things I think that a lot of people, especially, and I want to, I want to touch on um, companies. Hmm. Now, I have said this for a long time, and I've done a lot of this work when I've worked with different companies as well. If you are... A different person in work as you are when you are at home, you are living a lie. Mm. There is no other way of looking at it. There is no authenticity in the two versions of yourself. They have to come into one. You need to be at the right job and in the right space at work for that to be allowed to be happening. Now, a lot of companies will want to see your best, most professional self, which will, which will fester an environment that doesn't suit somebody needing to open up and be human. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's not the person that's the problem it's the environment in which they live in or they work in or they are in at, on a you know eight hour a day basis now if you are out there and you are responsible for anyone if you are part of a wellness team if you're part of a hr team if you are part of a you know a mental health team at work you really need apart from being a mental health team because you'll have already been there but if you're in a in an environment where you are in a position where you now need to be looking in this way you need to be coming at it from a very light-hearted this is just another list of something else i've got to do rather than coming at it from a very emotional perspective because the emotions at the point of the admin of booking in someone like yourself ian is really gonna be detrimental to the actual growth of the company mm-hmm. and uh, It needs to be a flow of an ease of a conversation uh, to be able to get someone like yourself through the door to be able to sit in front of someone like Matt, say if you were at work one day.
0: Yeah.
1: And what we have is when people fear these conversations and they fear having the, I think what they really feel is that they might be responsible for something if in case it does happen.
0: Yeah.
1: That is the wrong thinking. Because what could happen is that if you could put someone like Ian in place you could have saved lives before you've lost any and we really need to flip that and start looking at it and and really making a way where we say this can be quite an easy conversation this could be a very it could actually be quite a funny one in a number of circumstances because when people realize that they've all been thinking the same things but they never said anything you're like oh what like we could have saved ourselves so much time
0: it's it's like I, I, it blows my mind so like, what are the magical what is the magical universe we live in where if we pretend something isn't going to happen it won't happen because that's essentially what we do because we we live in this ignorance where we think if i just don't talk about it it won't happen yeah. like the amount of companies not so much now but before when they were like oh if i get you in i'm gonna have mental health everywhere and i'm like You've got it. When where, when You've you it. when you got a first aider back in 1972, did everyone start cutting their fingers? No, you were just more prepared to deal with it. And they're like, "Well, you know what I mean." I'm like, "No, I don't know what you mean." You'd yeah. rather pretend and literally, honestly. In what other world could you walk around going la 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 la? Mm-hmm. So, you know, companies are scared. Some more than others. Um, And what we find more than anything at the moment is we – people want to help, but people are limited by their lack of knowledge. And this is the key thing. So workplaces want to help, um, whatever it might be. But what they're looking for is a short fix magic pill. How do I fix it? And this is the big problem. I think we might have touched on this before. You don't fix mental health. You find a point of recovery. You point a point where it's a an, an extension. It goes on and on and on. So saying to a colleague, well, go and have two weeks off and come back when you're feeling better, that isn't mental, sort of mental health out. That's basically saying, I want to help, but I'm limited by my knowledge. I don't know what else to say. So have some time off and come back when you're better. Having the opportunity to... So when I train people, I sit down and I say, look, there's always a long list of outcomes here we're going to go through. But the main thing is I want to give you confidence. I want to give you confidence to know that you can ask the next question and not do any damage.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That you can actually go, ah, okay, let me know more rather than, We'll go and take two weeks off and see what you see where you are in two weeks time should we and it's giving that confidence that you won't make things worse when especially when it comes to mental health and suicide but i can touch on that more is the key thing and that's the most powerful thing employees can do ask the we're conditioned
2: as well as we get older because if you know if, if you think about children they'll always ask a question because yeah. they want to understand why mm-hmm. you know they're not doing it to embarrass you or you know, put you in a situation that's just generally interesting. Yeah. So like, you know, like what you mentioned with companies, this fear factor of saying the wrong thing, you know, yeah. oh, I've got some time off so you're not so stressed. Whereas they could go, I don't understand. But yeah. if you tell me a bit more, I might understand yeah. and we can see if we can do something.
0: Mm. And and this is the other funny thing. Again, when I, when I break all this down and I train people, some companies say exactly that, well, you know, people are going to pull the wool over our eyes. We've got people saying they've got depression and anxiety and stress and say, well, wouldn't you as an employer want to be able to have a conversation with these people? And if they are really in that state of, of poor mental health, you can help. And if they are just pulling the wool over your eyes, wouldn't you love to be able to know that at that point and say, well, actually, let's do this, this and this. And they go, oh, hang on, this boss knows what he's on about. Here. I can't knowledge is power wouldn't you want yeah. to know that and you can't lose if you get this this level of understanding around mental health that we all have Yes, yeah. i don't think hard. there's
2: any better ambassador though for somebody who's been helped you yeah know, so if we take this example you know you're my line manager Ian, and we, we've had that discussion we've came through this together and then this sort of pay it forward attitude happens go do you know what actually yeah. Matt is somebody I could speak to. Matt's been through it, blah, blah, blah. And do you know what? It sort of starts this yeah. new culture where we can talk to each
0: other. Absolutely. I mean, again, so if I look at the history of, of mental health um, or mental illness, very clinical-led, very, you know, uh, you have depression, you have antidepressants, because that's what, my, that's what my journal tells me. Now, don't get me wrong, I know there's a huge clinical need around mental illnesses still. But what's so vital is lived experience. Like AA Alcoholics Anonymous or, or Narcotics Anonymous we've been for years, having sponsors, having people that are accountable to others to say, hey, look, I've been there, i felt it, I know it, let me work through this with you. You're gonna have tough times. That's called recovery. You're not fixed, you're in recovery. And it's the same for mental health. I've been there, I've felt it, I know, and you're still gonna have bad times. But that's why I'm here, to help you guide through. Mm -hmm. And we're coming to this more holistic approach where people are gaining strength off of others, exactly what you said, Matt. You know, that unity coming together, that community, it's hugely powerful.
1: If you say if you imagine you're at work and you are a um, a line one of the line managers or whatever it is and somebody if somebody came to me and they said oh you know I'm having mental health problems and I'm like oh god don't really know how to talk about that yeah. okay cool well why don't you go like you said go home and spend a couple of time you know a couple of weeks and get your head yeah. together what you're actually doing is you're saying this is too much for me go away on your own yeah and deal with this on your own at home, out of yeah. sight, so I don't have to. Which it couldn't be a lonelier statement if you tried. It couldn't be the worst statement yeah. if you tried, because you're actually saying go on your own and do that. And that other person's going to go home on their own and have to deal with something where you could have actually gone, hmm. come in, let's have a talk. It could have been the difference between a cup of tea and some biscuits and a conversation to so whether that person's going to go home and go, well, no one cares about me, not even my work. I'm going to pop it now.
2: Yeah. You understand sometimes the person that has approached his line manager hasn't just woke up that morning and gone, shit, I'm going to talk to the line manager. This could have been <laughs> weeks in the making. Yeah. You know, this could have been a long process where they've had to gain the courage to talk to somebody and yeah. to be dismissed so quickly, inadvertently, I may have my yeah. line manager that they've gone, oh <laughs>
0: It is uh, uh, something I wanted to, because we were talking about, you know, this is for suicide, something really that I'd quite like to, to elaborate on on that point is we, we often feel like, and I used to, I used to walk across London Bridge every day, and I still remember this point having thoughts to myself about if I saw someone sat on the side of the bridge, would I go and help? Because I'm a good person. I'd love to. But I've got zero knowledge back then. I've got zero knowledge. And what if I was the person that said something that pushed them over the edge? And I I remember vividly thinking this. And it wasn't until I educated myself that I learned that actually that's not how suicide works. Statistically, for anyone watching that that has these same thoughts, you can scrap that straight away because you will not give that person the idea to do it there's a huge amount of planning that goes into suicide and this is often what people don't know or don't see and I guess the best way I can describe this when I when I train this is the way I'll describe it so please do bear with me because I I try and bring things to life a little bit so if I said to Nat "Right, it's the 18th of January now Uh, on the tomorrow night now I'd like a party for 300 people uh, I want catering, I want uh drinks. I don't mind whether they're free or not, but I want to source them, I want you to sort who's coming, what they're wearing, who's doing the music, go. You'd be like, that's a bit of a challenge there. You couldn't do it, you'd have to plan it. You'd have to plan all these individual elements. Now bear with me on this, but suicide is is the same. You have to plan it. People think it's spare of the moment. And and what Matt said there with someone just waking up and saying they're gonna go and see their line manager. Very, very rarely, I mean, very, very, very rarely do people wake up that day with no previous thoughts around suicide and then take their life that day. It would often be only if someone's committed a serious crime. uh, They're about to be exposed or they're about to be caught out for something that that is highly naughty. Generally, if someone is living with a mental illness and they have thoughts around suicide, there's a process of planning. And anyone you can probably think of, whether it be celebrity or not celebrity, has gone through this journey. And I'll I'll talk you through it briefly now. So around 20% of the population has thoughts of suicide. It's common. That's the first thing that we're not told. That's the first thing that should be shouted from the rooftops, is that having thoughts around suicide is common. You don't need to have had a mental illness to have thoughts of suicide. So my wife has never had a mental illness. She's had thoughts of suicide. It could be what's it like to step in front of a train? What's it like to drive in front of that car? What would it be like if I wasn't here? You're actually more likely to come into contact with someone having thoughts of suicide than you are of someone having a heart attack. So just think about all the physical first aiders out there, all the heart attacks that people see on the streets and in the corners. Think about the number of people you work with. One in five will have thoughts of suicide. Okay? So it's common. Now, when an individual has these thoughts, most of us, they are just that. They're, they're common thoughts and they'll be dismissed as, as quick as, as they come into your brain. You're, mm, there you go. I mean, still now, if I stand at a railway line, I think about what would it be like? But if someone doesn't get past that point, and this is where the planning comes in, they would start to really start to consider how they would kill themselves. This is one of the first questions, how will I do it? Now, the act of taking your life we're going to part the whole selfish part because we haven't got enough time to go into that. But it's it's not. Generally, the person who is thinking about taking their life honestly believes that they're a, a burden to those who are left. And the other way I can describe this is uh, six months ago, Nat, I said, could I spend a night on your sofa? Six months later, I'm still there. Even as a logical person, I'm kind of thinking Nat probably wants me to move on by now, find somewhere else to go, find another place to be. It's that feeling, but obviously on a different scale. You are a burden to the people that are there. So you'll think about how you're going to do it. You'll think how you're going to do it to cause the less amount of impact on the public. Sounds silly, but people do. They'll plan what train stations have the quickest cleanup rate, what um, rush hour times, when to do things at the least possible time to actually inconvenience people the least. Now, once you plan how you're going to do it, and bear in mind, this will probably take, weeks if not months of constantly thinking about this so straight away that myth of someone just finding themselves on the side of the bridge one day that's gone because that we're months down the line now if someone decides how they're going to do it then when again you're probably looking at another couple of weeks if not months when am I going to do it remember I don't want to inconvenience people so I've got to work out when the best time to do it is how It's not that easy to do it anymore. Sleeping tablets don't have the same chemicals in them. Cars have catalytic converters, so you can't gas yourself out. The actual way in which to do it is quite limited now. Then one of the key things, and often one of the last things that someone has to plan is who's going to find them. And this is one of the most important ones, and it causes the most amount of anguish because it's not a selfish act. People either want certain people or certain person to find them. They don't care who finds them, and they don't want to be found there are three options. A huge amount of thought goes into this, especially if you've got kids or a family. Just the logistics of making sure that the wrong person doesn't find you. I do not want my kids to find me. This is what I was talking about that party element. Now you have to have all these individual things. Now this is called your suicide continuum and it works like this in its order. Now at any point Something amazing could happen in your life. You could fall in love. You could get a new job. You could get the right medication, the right therapies, whatever it might be. And when that happens, you can essentially go right back to ground zero and everything's good again. But what's, ma- what's really key here is that you've done the planning part. So sometimes when I talk to people in in the suicide prevention that I do, I do what's known as destruct their plans. I literally break up their plan. So should they find that they start to plan once again, they can't use the same plan they had because someone like me has destructed it. Now, this is what I was saying about the planning process, going all the way along, like organising a party. Once all of these elements are in place, something really important happens. And this is the other big thing that we have no idea about in the UK. We get it wrong every time. Let's park what I was saying. Nat, I've come back to you. You've organised the party. You've got it all done. Everyone's there. Everyone's turned up. You're stood at the bar. The night's going well. You're just about to have your first sip of the drink. You're looking around and you can see everything that you've done. How might you feel as you raise that glass to your lips?
1: Mm.
0: How would you be feeling about yourself? You've organised the party.
1: Yeah, pretty good about myself.
0: Pretty good. And this is exactly the same. When people have spent months agonising over how they're going to take their life, planning all the intricacies. They get to the point where their plan is made and they go, I want to go and see some of my mates. I want to reintegrate again. I want to pay back some debts. I've spoken to so many people, so many people. People would plan to do it on a Friday night so they knew by the time the weekend had passed, they'd well and truly be, in their words, dead. I know people that have phoned up old uni mates. Where are you, mate? I owe some money. Someone I know drove from the south of England to Newcastle to pay back £30. Now, luckily, the guy he turned up and saw was like, something's going on here. But this reintegration back, this paying off debt, sorting out your affairs, putting things in order. This is a telltale sign. But let's think about maybe a a celebrity or someone that's taken their own lives and then what generally happens a couple of days later you have one of their friends will go on Lorraine or Good Morning Britain and they'll sit there and go I just don't get it I saw them last week and they were themselves again I thought they were better this is what the country needs educating on Mm. it's that sudden change in behavior when you go when your plan is in place you will become elated relieved you'll be at peace with yourself this is when we need to be on our most alert. But because we don't talk about suicide, because we don't have the knowledge of it, we go, "Oh, yes, Jimmy's better again. I feel so much better." Whoo! We need to catch this next step. That's the most important part when that change of behavior goes around there. It's virtually so. Without naming names, but some well-known people have done exactly this. They've disappeared. I can think of a couple that, are, that have been in the public eye. Um, some female, some males that are in Big Brother house. Um, uh, uh, they, they, they'll go off of, off of social media. And then usually the day or two days before, they'd reintegrate back on social media. It might be a picture of a cat or a dog or their football team and a little short snippet. But that is their goodbye. That is what it is. And we miss it every time. We always sit and go, oh, we never saw it coming. 95% of the time, there are some signs, either conscious or subconscious, given off by a person. But again, we just choose not to see them because it's easier not to. It's so important we understand this process, that there's a planning process in place. Massively important. But what I want to say, just before I finish this off, is that even when someone has planned It doesn't mean it will be gone through. So we mentioned this earlier. For every life lost on the railway lines, for every life lost on the railway line, six are saved by somebody stepping forward and going, are you all right? We all have a thing inside of us called our survivor's instinct. When someone interrupts your plan, and people who have made this plan are desperate for it to happen. I'll I'll give you an example in a moment. But when someone interrupts it, it allows that person's survival instinct to kick in. And that is often what saves people. For every life lost, six are saved. Survivor's instinct. Often people will play games with themselves. Games might be the wrong word, but but no, they are. They are games. So they'll often be driving someone and say, well, if I see two blue cars in a row, it's game on. If I see three, it's not meant to be. Because that's their survival instinct, looking for the thing that's saying, although I've planned it, it's not quite the right time we've got to educate ourselves on this it's really really important so much more vital than just going here yeah, go and take two weeks off <laughs> it's two very different things you know
2: absolutely I, um... what you've just said there Ian to the letter and you know Nat and I spoke about it you, you've hit all the critical decision points and milestones along that journey and um, you, you're absolutely right you know it's just it's been interrupted that saved me. Yeah. You know, and Nat and I spoke about it and it was in and then, but it's still enough for, for somebody, you know, I, I was, I was hell bent on doing what I was going to do. And yeah, I think if, if you could see somebody who's not themselves or sat alone or, you know, all those things that you bring out in your training and you just basically go and make, time of day with them. You don't even need to ask them if they're yeah. all right. but Have you got the time, mate? You know, what's yeah. the weather? like? Just anything that just stops them yeah. in their track, excuse the pun, it, it's sometimes enough to start a conversation. Absolutely.
0: So, and and, yeah, and um, mean, I can't, you know, we, we haven't spoke about this before and, and, you know, obviously I'm hugely happy and grateful that you're still here. You know, that's the biggest thing because that's massively important. I do what I do for just one person not to, you know, not to not to take their lives. But what's really important, and as we didn't talk about that, is sometimes when I talk through what I just did, people find it hard to believe because it seems a bit out there. But having someone like yourself who's actually done it and says, yeah, actually, that is the way it goes, this is what we need, more people to actually go, right, hang on, that makes sense. It seems far-fetched, but it makes sense. Actually, that holds a bit of clarity to it. Well, Matt said that's what we were... Mm, maybe we have got it all very, very wrong. And I, I, I plan
2: this to precision. Yeah, like I, You know, I relayed it all to Nat and, you know, I can't leave any of the parts out because they're integral yeah. to how your mindset is as you're moving. You know, this trying to talk to somebody, being knocked back, the drawing into yourself. And like yeah. you say, the two blue cars, that is me you know i was in that situation i was like the universe will save me yeah. you know i was wanting to be saved and then you get that despondent feeling where you go do you know what even the universe doesn't yeah. want me you know and it's kind of it's it's massive it's- but Yeah, quite it bit to the minute
0: you can follow olem on facebook instagram twitter soundcloud mixcloud spotify and youtube go to www linktree slash olam underscore dj don't forget to like comment and subscribe to his hit itunes podcast by searching breaking through with olam I, I, I listened to something today Funny i had a conversation with a guy today um and he'd given himself three years so his planning process was three years he was like if, if he he was talking about this conflict between his mind and his body these two conflicts and he said right it will readdress this in three years which is quite common you give yourself a time frame so if i if, if both my mind and my body both still feel the same in three years we're doing it that and that plan is just an extended plan that's a three-year planning but this is the thing people will live with this every single day and they'll become more and more withdrawn more and more suppressed and again when companies or people phone me now and say well how do i tell if someone's got mental illness and i'm like well which mental illness do you want to start with? And then what's the person? You know, let's narrow this down a bit here. But like, well, they must know something. Well, there's different symptoms and signs for every single one. But the one thing I would say is you're looking for a consistent change in behavior. Has that person changed? If you had to pick one thing. And then, but then that's exactly the same on the reverse. If that person's been in that state for a period of time and then all of a sudden they're out drinking, slapping you in the back and paying back debts, mm, instead of sticking my head in the sand, I'm going to say, right, you're right. I'm glad that you're feeling happy and you're looking good, but I'm worried that there might be something else. We it's, can't just stick our head in the sand.
1: There's something that um, I heard a long time ago, and I do not know if this is correct, but it from what you're saying, it kind of may be true. Somebody said to me, uh, when, say if you're arguing with a partner or something or a friend and it's quite heated in some way and it's over text and you get the threat say, you know, if you've had to dump a partner and they're, yeah. they're emotionally unstable and they say, oh, I'm going to kill myself. Yeah, yeah. Somebody said to me, the person that tells you they're going to kill themselves is not the person that's going to die because the person who's going to kill themselves will never tell you they're sophisticated. They've planned it. There's a whole bringing up the person who told you they want to kill themselves is the person who needs a hug.
0: yeah you got two like
1: is that right is that I wouldn't know but it sounds a mixture
0: of two myths there yeah Uh, you got a mixture there's loads of myths and and Matt I'm sorry I know but if you don't mind you got a mixture of two myths because what, what you what there's the one that my favorite is people who talk about killing themselves don't do it and I love that one for a reason because the people that talk about it you're quite right are actually engaged in conversation which is great When they're engaged in conversation, they're open to not doing it. So actually, yeah, we want everyone talking about it. So, yes, that's kind of the case of those that don't talk often don't find that there's support available. Um, Suicide rates have been going down year on year. I'll come back to that. Don't let me forget, because this is something that that people don't realise again. Um, So we want people to talk. Now, the whole thing around break up a relationship and kill, this is really a fascinating one, and and I'm not saying this isn't the case, but what that often is is an individual who doesn't have – sufficient vocabulary to articulate the emotional pain that they feel here kids do this all the time my kids mm. especially at the moment are throwing the death kill word around a lot because they're forming their words and they're having hugely frustrating days and they feel this big build up here and they go what's the most powerful word i know death kill because i can't express what's in here out of here mm. and so often when someone's been dumped or they've been left and they go if you leave me i want to kill myself it's not the fact generally i'm not saying this doesn't happen but it's generally the fact that they're trying to express the person in the most powerful word they know how much pain they've made them feel here that's generally what comes from that that point um and that's i can't caveat enough not to say that there would have been some people that would have done it but generally it's that use of vocabulary um and like i said it's the same for kids when when kids say oh this is the worst day ever i wish i could just be dead They don't wish they could be dead. They just don't know how to say this has been the suckiest day this week in the right vocabulary. Um, I mentioned their suicide rates. This is really key because this is, again, something else that the media won't let us. We shouldn't bash the media. I'll explain why the media do what they do in a moment. So since records from the Office of National Statistics started being collated around suicides, 1988, So since 1988, suicide rates have been going down every year, going down. Now, most people would believe they're going up. Same way that most people think that over Christmas and New Year, there's more suicides. There's not. It tends to just get publicised more around that time of year uh, and people hear it more because everyone else is festive and jolly. So it generally gets, gets spoken about more. So since 1988, suicide rates have been declining. They had a peak in 2013, so a small blip, but they went up and then they started to come back down again. They will go up again this year, but not just because of COVID. And and this is something that's quite interesting. It's sod's law that they've coincided. But last year, a coroner and the way that the coroner gives a verdict of suicide changed. So previously, there had to be intent, as we mentioned, undoubtable intent. Now, unless there's any mind-reading um, uh, coroners it's quite hard to prove someone's intent there's room for error so what they've now done actually this year is made it that there only has to be probable intent so the deaths previously that a coroner had said I can't 100% prove intent now only has to say yeah there probably was so we are going to see a spike in suicides in 2020, and it just mm. happens to coincide with COVID. So, of course, what will happen is everyone will start going, "Look at this spike!" When actually there's a different underlying reason behind it, um, mm. and that just comes down to the knowledge side as well. Really important to know. You've
1: just now, kn- when when I titled this, um, "The Truth About Suicide," <laughs> I, I actually questioned myself, and I thought to myself. Why am I writing the truth about suicide? And I thought, why have I chosen that title? Because I often think and I, you know, and then I just put something out. I don't think I don't, you know, I never plan, I never plan anything. I very rarely come up with a title until like a couple of minutes before I might change it. Don't plan questions, just love no. a chat. It goes in a different direction. Yeah, right. life? yeah you know, and people said to me, Oh, Nat Adeck, come on the show, and I'm like, You have met me in the street, you, you know, it's just a talk. And I thought to myself, the truth about suicide, and I was like, Do you know what? I have no idea what that is i'm gonna leave it as the title i don't know the truth about suicide and i know you will (laughs) i know that you're gonna know to a a certain degree you are and then i've got an experienced person in terms of you know their own self-reflection on that we're going to be here to learn something and this is like for me this is the essence of why i'm doing the talk with, and it's because These are subjects that most people would say, oh, I'm not talking about suicide. Oh, I don't want to go there. It's going to be too heavy. So if we can have these conversations where people just watch, this is the bit that, for me, a talk is the awkward talk that truly matters. It's the space in between the, the absolute shit day and the amazing day. It's the bit in the middle that most people don't want to talk about. Yeah. And uh, I did it the other day with, uh, with actually Bill, who I think might still be watching, who's over in the States, who I've done a couple of porn episodes with uh, for the Talkwards about being addicted to porn. I have to be very careful. I haven't done porn with Bill.
0: <laughs> no, no, okay. I know. <laughs> that back.
1: As soon as I said that, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to want to bring that one back. So I haven't done porn with Bill, but I have done three conversations about addictions to porn with Bill on the TalkWards. Mm-hmm. And um, I forgot my point now. Oh, yeah, no. The, the idea was, you know, I'm looking at the stats of what the conversations we've had and I'm looking at how many people have tuned in. And I would love to have more people, but I'm grateful that I've had the people that I've had now because we've already saved lives and made differences. I know that from the feedback that I've got the conversations that I've had from the responses to some of the stuff. But the one about porn addiction... We've had two and a half thousand views of that porn video. Now we have no likes, or so hardly any likes. And there's like ten likes after yeah. two and a half thousand views, and we've had very few comments. That's so because most people will not want to comment about porn or be mm-hmm. seen to be liking a video or watching that video, admitting their problem. Yeah. So although it's 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 done better than everything else, and it's actually the most viewed uh, video on both of my channels combined, um, it's a silent subject it's a talkwood, the biggest yes. kind of talkwood there is. So there's, I'm going to do more of them because it's content and I need to speak to Bill about how we go down that rabbit hole. But it's these areas where people don't want to admit. And it's mm-hmm. conversations like yours that have naturally come along today that has blown my mind in terms of the methodical approach to suicide and the the misinformation that we have, not for any Like I said, not for a conspiracy reason, but there's actually legitimate reasons that things are out in the media in the way that they are that could fill so many of these gaps and that could get the misinterpretations out of the window and actually will be faced with the truth about suicide. And I think it's the work that you're doing is incredible and it's so important. And and it's just I wish and I want to do whatever we can to get this out there. I wish this information was made readily available to as many people as possible.
0: Thank you. Firstly, thank you. And and secondly, I think we have, a, again, a perception that people in authority and by people in authority are generally mean people in uniforms like police, paramedics, nurses, hospital crew, GPs, uh, the list can go on, that these people are trained in mental health, first aid and suicide prevention and they're not. They're not. A GP is not trained in suicide prevention. A police officer is not trained. NHS nurses are not trained. AE staff are not trained. Not because they don't want to or because they don't think they need to, but because this hasn't been something that people have given the time of day to before. Wow. And it's about understanding that, you know, you can – I've had people, I've done chats like this before, and I've had people come on and say, hey – uh, I disagree and I always welcome being challenged because, hey, I'm one person. I have my views. I always aim to be massively respectful to everybody. I always aim to deliver facts which are accurate and that I can back up. But if anyone comes on and says, hey, look, I had a different experience and I had this, then I love to chat and I love to learn. Some people have come on and and, and said, I don't think that's right. And I've said, look, let's jump on a course. Come and do one of my courses. Uh, people have lost loved ones and they've come on, done a course and gone my brother took his life i thought i knew i didn't have a clue Uh, and now you're explaining it i understand and i actually see it so i can't stress enough this people are scared that it's going to be boring or that it's going to be heavy and and that they're gonna you know everything i do i look back to me as a 30 year old thinking would i be interested in what i'm saying now would i be bored and as long as i can deliver it in a way that I think people like mm-hmm. and they, they understand it, then that's all that matters. And if they oh, don't like me, I'm positive. Positive. i am pass on mean, to I know loads of great people, I'm pointing at that, but loads of great great, loads of great people that can talk exactly the same as I can, but with a different stance, with a different angle, give it a little bit of a different context. And that mm-hmm. might hit the sweet spot for that person. So mm-hmm. it's so important just to get this knowledge out there.
1: What were you going to say, Matt? I think you've said something, Matt, as he was talking.
0: I, what I was going to say is... Uh
2: in lieu of training, just imagine if everybody watching this or listening to this picked up the phone and spoke to three of their friends. What Now that, that straight away is that osmosis that we're trying yeah. to get going. They might not know what to say, but they're saying something to a friend, you know, mm. reaching out. And this morning, I had a, I could potentially have had an audience of, in excess of 100 people mm. that you know, we could have talked about what we're talking about this evening, Ian, and You know, I really, really want to do the training, I've got to say. Uh, But if those 100 people then rang three people or reached out, do you know what I mean? Just today, the difference, it couldn't have been one life. Uh, You know, we could have talked possibly 10, you know, if we're being optimistic, it could have been 10 lives saved.
0: Yeah. Sorry, now were you going to say
1: something? No, I I was, but I know know what it is. So you go first and I can come back to it.
0: But I, was, I was going to say something quite interesting, and this is how I generally start the training. Um, no one's ever died from suicide, right? You can't catch it. It's not contagious. You can't die from suicide. People die by suicide. And this is where you get those, those, those organisations that are striving for zero suicide rates. I mean, yeah, that would be an absolute blinder of a world to be in. But no one's ever died from it. You can't catch it. OK, so we need to understand this. We're, we're not searching for a magic pill. We're not looking for the COVID vaccine. We're not having to do research. What is needed already exists. Mm. It's us. And this is what we have to realise. But one of the biggest problems that we've got, and again, this is where it comes in, and it's the need for permission. So going off of what you said, Matt, the, the, what often happens, it is great if, if people link, but what we need to do is that next step, because... On average, as humans, we say we're fine 14 times a day. It's our default. You're right, yeah, fine. We say it 14 times a day. It is flimsy. It's like monopoly money. It means nothing. But it's our default response. Now, Matt, I don't know if this resonate with you or not, uh, but, but think about when you were where you were, um, when you were at your most primed and ready, and someone was saying to you, "All right," chances are you might just say, yeah, I'm okay. Because what often happens is in your head, you're thinking, well, he doesn't actually want to know. He's just asking me a courtesy question. He can't. He don't want to know my answer. No. And this is where we, we we kind of need to go the next step. It's about giving the person permission. When you look at someone and say, hey, look, I'm not asking you fine. I really want to know. And sometimes we have to ask that hard question. I've noticed some changes. I'm concerned. I really want to know. Are you going to kill yourself? Now, to most people, that would make you go like, oh, my God, I'm not asking that question. But when you do that, and this is part of what we teach in the training, when you do that, I give Matt absolute permission. Matt, I've I've gone to the length to ask you that question that way. I want to know what you've got to say. I'm giving you permission to tell me. I'm not just asking, are you all right and expecting a fine back. I want to know what's going on. And this is often where we, we don't go that next step. We don't fully give permission and say, I'm ready to hear your answer. And that's the key thing we've got to learn. But if you're British and you're human, I mean, I'm two of those things, it makes you think, oh, my God, I don't want to ask that question. I feel so embarrassed about asking that question. But that's what needs to be done, really. If that was
2: any message that anybody takes away, this has got to be the mm. most important message. We had this discussion that I've had five people get in touch with me and go, well, I never knew anything was wrong with you. I spoke yeah. to you and you said you were all right. Those <laughs> five people would have had a different conversation if they'd turn around and go, you're not all right, man. Yeah. I know you're not. What you films are right going, now? you can't
0: handle the truth.
2: <laughs> you yeah. got handle That's exactly what it is. But that's a real friend going, I've noticed you're not all right. And this yeah. is why I think you're yeah. not all right, because of this behaviour. Like you say, They're basically giving, you're giving them permission to say,
0: well, actually, my friend knows I'm not all right. Yeah. And that's, that's, I mean, another old old discussion about the signs that, but it's exactly that knowing, again, when it comes to when I train people, you can't bring feelings and emotions. It's I've noticed this. I've noticed it. Like if you saw someone that cut their arm on the, you know, somehow you go, oh, you've cut your arm. I can see you've cut your arm. We're not afraid to say when we see physical things. So why are we not saying, I've seen this and mm. I'm concerned and I want to know how I help you. Yeah.
1: I That's love that. Bit. So there's a couple of things I was I was busy beavering away here uh, with some notes. So you're right in the in the announcing of, of speaking to someone. The word talk word is awkward talks. If you were to say to someone, can we have a bit of a talk word? with someone you set the scene that it's an important subject you don't necessarily have to say exactly what it is at that moment but you let them know that there's something that you need to address whether it's you that needs to actually have that conversation or it's you that needs to see if somebody wants to have that conversation both sides of it is setting the scene that this is going to be a bit Mm -hmm. awkward but it's okay so it's using that that kind of you know terminology with it and being you know being there to ask the questions but I want to say something which i heard years ago and i've used it with you matt i've told you a couple of times when someone says they're fine just take it as in they're fucking incapable of normal emotions
0: yeah exactly
1: take it as that and if you take it as that you will then be able to dig deeper that is fine incapable of normal emotions and you're like Okay, this person actually needs a bit more attention. It's a very big trigger because you know, women women are great, yet fine and it's like, oh, Ooh, the energy says you're not. <laughs> you know, like it's definitely there, but that word we do use so often and it's to know what it stands for and yeah. and to really dip into that, your toe a little bit deeper into those waters. I also wanted to say that um the idea of doing and, and obviously we're almost done now um with the with the um call, I forgot what we were on then. Almost done with the call, but I wanted to say that if somebody wants to do the mental health first aid training or the suicide prevention training or whatever it is they want to do next now for me the way i see it and i haven't done it yet and i do plan to do it and i, I my mom's got the you know the folder of stuff because she's done yeah. the whole lot and she's got the whole folder and i'm like wow what you're actually doing and i know there's a lot of spiritually minded people that we're watching this content I know there's breathwork sessions. I know there's yoga courses that you can do. I know there's a million other courses that you can do that can better your life in some way. You could do Tony Williams or whatever it is. Yeah. I don't think, and I'm going to be putting myself out here when I say this, I don't think there's a better way to do personal development than to do a mental health first aid course because you realise your own inabilities and your own growth yeah. on the course and therefore how you can help other people at the same. You're getting like double what you need rather yeah. than doing some Americanized version of personal development or thinking that you need another embodiment training. This stuff can save lives as well yeah. as improve your own life as well. Absolutely.
0: Uh, I'll second that. <laughs> uh, I mean i went and did it and changed my whole life i was that convinced that i had mental health so wrong Mm. I, i i literally was at rock bottom i went on this course years ago sat in a room and everything i thought i knew about me i was like i didn't have a clue I didn't, I didn't, you know, and, and what was interesting from that was then learning and looking back at ways, I, things that I did when I was a kid, when I was demonstrating poor mental health, and I had no idea that's what I was doing, and I'd lock myself away in my room, or do whatever, and it's not easy, and, and I, I practice what I preach as best as I can, I'm human at the end of the day, I, I, I certainly know a lot but it's the small steps every day that lead to a huge improvement when you start to understand what your anxiety trigger is what your stress trigger is mm. what your depressive trigger is when you do a certain thing and you start to recognize it and you can combat it and go right okay i get that uh, i'd recommend it i know um abby's on here he, um Uh, done some stuff as well and I think you know when you practice it and and implement it it's hugely beneficial and do your own Pilates as well because they're just better right
1: Indeed. So for anybody um, that is out there that is either in a working corporate environment, whether it's yep. you that's in charge of mental health and wellness, whether you are part of a group or a d- organization of some kind, if you haven't already incorporated mental health first aid training into what you're doing, we highly recommend it. But you will see at the bottom, because I'm I'm getting good with my tech now, you'll be able to see that there's literally it says this show is powered by We Are Hummingbird. Mm-hmm. Go there and you can check out what can be done. Um yep. I highly recommend recommend working with ian and um and obviously doing this in whatever way you can and for those of you who are just sat at home on the sofa thinking do you know what i'd like to get my note to know myself a little bit better yeah. this is also something that is highly beneficial for you guys to do as well it's not just a corporate level no. Um, we, I don't know if we, I don't know if we've got you booked in again yet for another show, Ian. But I'm sure this is going on for as long as lockdown yeah. goes. So um, we're going to have you back on at some point. But I, I, want to thank you so much for that. What you've said today has changed my, um, I'm going to say has changed my life because my understanding of it, with the way you explained it and what you went through, I had no idea. So I've learned myself today. So thank you for that sharing because it's it's
0: uh, it help. Thank no. you, I really am. I haven't yet. <laughs> but, you know, uh, all, all I do is you know talk it. You have got Matt here, who's obviously got this lived experience of it, and that's huge, and that should be shouted from the rooftops because that will help other people. That that's what's you know. I'm fortunate that I've never planned my death, um, and I can talk about it from a theory point of view all day long but we should really be reflecting on people that have, have been in that position and learning from them so i think uh, massive thanks to matt on that one really yeah uh,
2: you've only validated absolutely everything that's happened you've been on point and you know anybody who's listening or watching to this ian you're the real deal, dude And no, you're you. <laughs> it. it's blown me away because i've recognized a lot of what you've said god oh shit, yeah that happened oh yeah 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 You know, and, you know, I've learned so much. And I'm just quite keen, you know, we're all wanting to help each other out. And I think people shouldn't be afraid. They inject a bit of fun into this. You know, it's not a morbid, it shouldn't be a morbid subject. You can be, have a bit of fun because life's for living. Go for it.
0: Yeah, This is the, uh, I know we're going, but this is the thing when people start courses, some people are told they're going on a two-day mental health course. And you can imagine they're like this, (laughs) they're like, Uh, and they get in there and I'm like look we're gonna have fun for two days because I don't know how not to have fun like and they're like hang on we're on a mental health course and I'm like and always some of the stuff that comes back and people always put it is weirdly I found that really enjoyable is that weird that I found that enjoyable and I'm like no it's not because mental health isn't down there it's everything it's exciting it's fun it's laughing and smiling we've got to start understanding that that it isn't just when things are bad it's when things are good as well and the sooner we learn that the, the better we're all going to be as far as i'm concerned
1: i love it absolutely love it well thank you so much uh, for everyone i don't actually know what's on tomorrow i should do i'm just gonna i'm just gonna check although i should actually know what the hell i'm doing tomorrow um, tomorrow is gym addictions
0: oh i can't make it because i'm at
1: the gym tomorrow <laughs> yeah i'm gonna tell boris you're at the gym and see how that um so yes we have oh in the morning i've actually i did jonathan goldman um one of the world's leading sound healers the other day him and his wife andy are on again in the morning um that i'm gonna just look like a, i'm gonna go live with it but it's all about planetary healing which is gonna be quite interesting and then tomorrow evening i have gym addictions however My one guest that I have, I had two guests cancel. One canceled this morning, the one canceled last week. So that subject might change. So um, I don't know, but I will be here. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm showing up, being disciplined and I'm showing up and I'm going to put myself here. Maybe I talk about something I don't know, maybe we'll do another porn one with Bill. We'll bring on, see what he can talk about. But um, I want to thank you all so much um, for joining in. It's growing, it's getting there. We are building and I am loving the fact that we're managing to help people. And I've got so many more people coming on. I spoke to Frank Turner today, the music artist. We've got him coming on in a couple of weeks with a, a whole insight of information uh, and some really cool stuff. And it's just getting busier and better.
2: You can follow Olem on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, SoundCloud, Mixcloud, Spotify and YouTube. Go to www.linktree slash olem underscore DJ. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe to his Hit iTunes podcast by searching Breaking Through with Olam.